today some thoughts on End of the Storm. This is a series that we're in, so I want to uh, at least um, move through a little thought on that. We're going to be coming mainly today out of Hebrews 11, but um, I wrote down some thoughts last week while we were uh, in the service and just, uh, I'm not preaching these necessarily as much as I just put notes in for myself, and, and I wrote down some words, and the words were miracle, supply, healing, joy, peace, freedom, and understanding, and I could have made more, but that was my list. And, and the thought that came to me about that is, these are things that are promised to us by God, right? I mean, when you read the word, they're promised by God, that we're going to see miracles and that we're going to have supply, God's going to supply for us, that there will be healing for us, that we're going to have joy and peace and freedom and understanding. And you begin to read the things that are promised to us and what we don't do because of maybe church and religion and different thoughts on faith We like to think that all of these are there because we have them. Most of these are there because we need them. The reason that a miracle is promised is because you ain't got one. You're in a dilemma right now. You're in a situation that only a miracle will get you out. See, sometimes we forget the fact that there is another side to our life that is still a part of the kingdom of God. And that is that we need a miracle. Why? Because we don't have one right now. We've got to have one if we're going to move forward in this situation. How about the one I I wrote down, supply? Don't raise your hand on this one. But with the economy and what's going on, those of us that are retired that have uh, accounts that are um, like the 401s and 403s that we we've got a way, uh, we get a quarterly report on those and we can see what we've lost instead of what we've been gaining because we had been gaining on these. So there's a supply issue. So I'm going to just stop and say this. The reason God promises you supply because there'll be times when there is no supply. And I think sometimes we get intimidated because we're going, out, we're going through a bad time. We're, we're going through a time we need a miracle. We're going through a time that we need supply because we don't have anything. And we think somehow or other, it's our faith. It's our fault. Uh, where's God in this issue? And I'm just here to tell you right now, God is with you regardless of the situation. As a matter of fact, God is with you in spite of the situation. He hadn't left you because you're in a trial. He hasn't left you because you need supply. He's not left you because you need a miracle. And I think sometimes in church, we've just about, we've just about put that out as if you have faith, if you have faith, then we'll see the result of that faith. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'd love for all of y'all to have a Maserati, but you ain't going to have one. It would be nice to tell you that you would never get sick, but I'd be a liar because Jesus did not need to take stripes on his back. If you weren't going to be sick. And everybody of faith said, Amen. See, we'd like to say that if I had faith, I wouldn't be sick. But the reason that he took stripes is because we would face sickness. So I just want to deal with us today on some of these ideas because I think we've kind of propagated the issue of we have all of these promises and they should be ours. But you forget that the promises are given because of the problems. And I want us to not, I don't want us to go to to seed on problems, but I'm going to say this. You've got to quit looking at yourself as less because you've got a problem. You've got to quit looking at yourself like I don't have faith. If I'd have had faith, this would have happened or that would have happened. And I'm going to say this to you. I have faith and I believe what I know the word of God says. If I haven't heard a word from God, if God hasn't spoken to me about an issue, then I go to his word and that's what I'm going to pray and believe. Until that changes. Does that make any sense to you? In other words, I may not have a word on whether I'm going to get healed or not, but I've got the word of God. So that's the last word I have to believe for. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But what if they don't get healed? That's God's issue, not mine. And see, there's another school right there that says, well, then why should I even pray for it if God's going to do what he wants to do? Let's just say your will be done because he didn't tell you to pray that. He told you to ask and keep on asking, Mark chapter 7, to seek and keep on seeking and to knock and keep on knocking. For he who asks will receive, who seeks will find, and he, when, he who knocks it will be open unto him. So I've got an obligation by Scripture, and that is to continue to believe in faith. If I don't see it, it doesn't lessen the Word of God, and it doesn't make God bad. Back up and said another way. 
You can't please God without faith. And just telling him to do what he wants to is not faith. Amen, y'all? So I've got to have faith. I've got to have the Word of God. Faith comes with hearing, hearing by the Word of God. If I don't see all the answers I want, it doesn't lessen God, and it doesn't make me stop having faith. I've got to make up my mind there's going to be a storm, and I'm going to have to get ready and go through it. One of the other chapters that I really enjoy in the Bible, you can find it in Second, Second Kings with Elisha. And I love it when Elisha gets up one morning and his servant is already up before him getting everything prepared. And his servant looks out the window of the house. And when he does, he sees the enemy king and all of his armies have surrounded everything about Elisha. They're all around the house. And Elisha gets up, the servant comes and says, what are we going to do, master? We're surrounded by the enemy. And I love Elisha's whole take on it. He said, we're going to be calm. It's okay because they that are with us are greater than those that are with them. Because around about the armies of the enemy was the armies of God. And sometimes all we see is the enemy and we don't see the power of God and the presence of God. So I preached this message, to be honest with you, Gabriel wanted me to preach it again because I preached it at a funeral. And the, the, the concept of preaching it at a funeral was we believe for their healing and they died. We prayed for healing and that was scripture, but they died. And I'm going to say this to you. The Bible says it's appointed in a man once to die. Touch your neighbor and say, you are going to die. See, you don't even want to say it. You don't even want to say it. You don't even want to say it. If I confess it, it's going to happen. Look at me. Let me tell you something. It's going to happen whether you confess it or not. Human mortality is 100%. Two people have skipped death. One was Enoch and one was Elisha and you ain't them. So when we look around and say, are you going to die? I'm going to tell you right now. I'm 72. I was promised 70 years. I'm living on grace right now. If I'm strong, I live to 80. I love what Bobby said. He said, death is not my problem. Matter of fact, I read a scripture recently, and I'll get to this message, I'm sure, in a minute. But I read a, I read a verse recently, and it was, about, it was about death, and I may read it to you. Uh, but it talks about Jesus when he died. And I, and I love this thought. It says that when he died, he took death unto himself. He took it from the enemy. He took it from the power of the devil and he put it into himself. How many has ever heard they, uh, that they died in Christ? They died in Christ. And that kind of seems odd. They died in Christ. But when I die... Death is not my enemy anymore. He's the last enemy, but Jesus conquered that. When I die, I die in Christ, and Christ overtook the sting of death. Y'all bear with me just a minute. The devil doesn't own this world. The devil's not in charge. When I die, you can blame the devil if you want to, but I'm going to tell you now, when I die, I'm going to die in Christ. I don't die in death. I die in Christ because he overtook the whole area of death. Okay, you don't care so good. We'll move on. So let's just, let, me, let me read some scripture and I want to deal with you today. We're going to be dealing really out of Hebrews chapter 11. That's a faith chapter. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have three points to this message. And one of them is life ain't fair. Ain't is emphasized. I know it should be isn't, but I want to use ain't for all of our Alabama fans. What? So, so life ain't fair. They're, they're just one thought for you. Uh, another thought uh, that, that we wanted to deal with on this, life ain't fair. Uh, the other one is faith is to please God and not to get stuff. You, you want to write that one down, y'all. Because when you say you have faith, you think about stuff. But the Bible doesn't say that your faith gets you stuff. The Bible says your faith pleases God and without faith, it's impossible to please him. That's in Hebrews 2, uh, 11, 6. So without faith, it's impossible to please him. So having faith, y'all, is not about you getting stuff or not getting stuff. It's about you pleasing God. And then uh, the, the last point on it is, is don't quit. Just don't quit. Understand that life is not fair. Say life isn't fair. It is not fair. There are going to be things that happen that aren't fair, and we'll deal with that. But let's read some scripture really quickly here. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14. This will cost you. It probably won't be up on the, on the uh, screen for you, so you just have to suck it up and read. 
Like, get your phone out. You have scripture in it. Get your Bible out. Help me here. All of you young people that live in your phone can't pick it up. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14. Message translation, if you can select that. And regarding the question, friends, that's come up about what happens to those already dead and buried, we don't want you in the dark any longer. First off, you must not carry on. I just love this right here. You must not carry on like, the, like people who have nothing to look forward to, as if the grave were the last word. I, I know we're going to carry on, and I know we're going to grieve when people die, but we don't have to do it like people that don't have hope. Listen to Scripture, and it says, it says this, Since Jesus died and broke loose from the grave, God will most certainly bring back to life those who died in Jesus. I want you to get this verse. Write it down somewhere. This is in John 16. If you read John 14, 15, and 16, these are the last words of Jesus. This is the upper room discourse. These are the last things he wants us to know before he says he's leaving. And listen to what he says. I just, you just got to get this down in your spirit. This is John 16, 33, Amplified Bible. I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace in the world. Listen to this. In the world you have tribulation and distress and suffering, but be, be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be full of joy. I've overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. My victory is abiding. I'm going to say right now in this world, you're promised turmoil and you're, you promise that you're going to have, um, you're going to have trouble in this world. That's a promise. Tribulation and trouble that we're going to have it. The idea is that he's overcome it so we can have joy even though we're going through it. See, you think joy is not having the trial. He says you're going to have it and have joy as you go through it. I'm back and said another way. So, I mean, we can pick Alabama. I don't care. You can do LSU or Auburn, whatever makes you happy. But if you have a football team and that football team is winning 42 to nothing, 42 to nothing, and the coach says, Matt, I'm putting you in as quarterback. You're going to have the last play of the game. Well, see, you weren't good enough, to be honest. You weren't good enough to have played the game. So you're like down the practice list of quarterbacks. So they get to Matt. You okay with me so far, Matt? So they, okay. So they, they get to Matt. I'm, I'm getting a lot of amens out of Casey. So we get, we get to Matt, and, and the coach says, Matt, come on up. He doesn't even have his helmet on. So he gets his helmet on, he runs up, and the coach says, you're going to have the last play of the game. 42 to nothing, our ball, we're on the, the three-yard line, and we're going to give the ball. You're going to quarterback this thing. Okay, so Matt gets all excited, and he gets the ball. The snap goes off. He backs up. He's got a guy in the corner. When he throws it, it's intercepted. And it's a pick six. The guy intercepts in the end zone and runs it 105 yards. And he makes a touchdown. And the time was up and the game was over. Poor old Mark. No, it's not poor Mark. They won. I mean, Matt. Did I say Mark? So, so Matt. So poor Matt. Poor Matt. He, he threw an interception. They ran it back for a touchdown. The time is over. There's no more plays left. And we're saying, poor old Matt. It's not poor Matt. They just won the game. They just beat the other team. They just stomped them. Here's all I'm saying right now to you. You're going to have some days when you throw interceptions. You're not going to be everything you need to be. But Jesus has won the game. The score is already set. If you mess up, if you have an issue, it doesn't mean you're thrown out and it's over. And I'm just trying to help you right now to get it for you football players and you that follow football. You're still going to root and cheer for the winning team. And the guy that quarterback that is not going to matter as much as we won. They're gone in a couple years anyway, but we won. And I'm just saying this is the same way in the kingdom of God. You're going to have some bad days, but you win. 
You're going to have some bad days, but you win. Listen to this one. First Corinthians 10, 13 amplified. And I love this verse. It says no temptation. Listen closely. No temptation, regardless of its source, regardless of its source has overtaken or enticed you. That is not common to human experience. So when you say nobody knows what I'm going through, somebody does. You don't know how bad it is. Yes, somebody does. Because everything you're going through, someone else has had that. Kerry was whining about his back. Right? Yes, you were. He was whining to me about his back and telling me how bad it was and ruptured disc and I don't know what all, just... It was all but tears. And first of all, I said, suck it up and quit being a girl. And then, and then, and then I said, dude, I had that myself one time years ago where I could, could, could hardly even walk. and It was terrible. But I said, you know, it got better. And he said, well, the doctor said that it's going to get better. So here's all I'm telling you right now. Nobody's had anything that someone else hasn't had already. Amen, y'all. So this is what the Bible says. There's nothing going on when you say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't have to know. The Bible says what you're going through, someone else has had it. Well, you don't know my addictions. Other people have had that. You don't know my failure. You don't know my past. Other people have a failure in the past, so you're not special. (laughs) Right? See, you look at yourself and think how special your problem is. No, it's not. Scripture says there's no temptation that's unusual or beyond human resistance. Listen to this. Listen to God in the middle of he's telling you what you're going through. But God is faithful to his word. He is compassionate and trustworthy. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. Amen, y'all. You don't know how bad it is. I'm just telling you what God says. He says what you've got, someone else has had. And what's against you right now, there's an ability that he's given you to resist. But uh, listen to this. But along with the temptation, he has in the past and is now and will always provide the way out as well. So that you will be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome temptation with joy. So I'm just going to tell you right now, we have a a word already that we're going to go through a trial. We're going to go through a temptation. Other people will have had the same kind of thing, but God is with me and he will strengthen me in this that I'll be able to bear up under it. I wish it would have said he will strengthen me and take it off of me. And sometimes he does, but he promised to strengthen me that I could bear up under it and come out of it. Amen, y'all? So I wish the temptation would be gone tomorrow. But if it's here tomorrow, listen to me. God says, I'm with you tomorrow. And I will be with you and strengthen you and you'll bear up under this situation. Does that make any sense to anybody so far? So life is not fair. I, I'm, I won't go into a depth on this one. But when you read Matthew chapter 20, it's one of the great chapters on being fair and unfair. You remember about the workers that went into the field and the guy that owned the field said, I'm going to pay you a denarius a day to everybody that's there at six o'clock in the morning. And they're all happy because they're going to get a day's wages. And then he went back out and he saw he needed workers. So at nine o'clock, he hires another crew of workers. And guess what? He pays them. Right. The same thing you pay six o'clock. Now, see, right now, some of you believers are mad. You already mad. And so he's told them he'll pay them the same thing. And then at 12 o'clock, he goes out and he needs more people to come to the field. And guess what he does? He finds them. He puts them in the field. What does he pay them? Same thing he's paying 6 a.m. Now you're really mad. I mean, you're a believer But you're finding somewhere where it says I can be angry and sin not. I mean, you're searching scripture right now. Because at three o'clock he goes out again and he looks around and he says, we need more workers. He hires another crew of people at three o'clock and guess what? He's going to pay them. Yeah, Daenerys, the same thing he paid the people at 6 a.m. See, right now you're looking for OSHA or, you know, a union or somebody to come help you. He goes back out. The Bible says at the 11th hour. You know, like five o'clock, they're closing at six. And the Bible says he gets a crew of people and he brings them in. And he says, I want you to work for me. And they said, great. Uh, 
what is it going to be? And he said, well, are you good with anything that I think is fair? And they said, of course. So they worked not really knowing what he was going to pay them. And they worked their one hour and everybody's lined up to get their pay. And when they're getting their pay, he called up these 11th hour guys, these last, this last hour crew. And guess what he paid them? He paid him the same thing he paid the dudes at 6 a.m. in the morning. So he's got these last hour people getting the same pay that these up here at, at 6 a.m. got. And the 6 a.m. crew said, this ain't fair. Totally angry. You can't do this. I love what he said. He said, I can do what I want to. He said, matter of fact, you can take it or leave it. Now, see, I'm going to help you right now. You're 11th hour. You're 11th hour. There's already been a whole crew of people that's been through this thing. There's already been, there's already been an Adam. There's already been a Noah. There's already been an Abraham. There's already been an, an Isaiah. There's already been a crew of people before us. And they did a lot of great things. Can I tell you something? God looks at you and some of y'all say, yeah, but I'm just barely in this thing. And I don't have much going for me. And I don't know as much as them. And I've not worked as hard as them. Can I tell you something? God says my sacrifice for you is the same one that they were looking for. And you get the same pay they do. They don't get more than you because you're here at the last hour. So don't ever let the devil tell you, you just got in. You're not worth much. God sees you and says, I'll pay you the same. Life's not fair. That's not fair, but that's God. Matter of fact, you could look at Job. Job, the Bible said, lived a righteous life. He had, he had total honor and God loved him. He had a place with God. And then the next thing we know, he loses Ten children, he loses all of his farm, he loses all of his animals, he loses his health. We look at Job and say, man, that's not fair. But I love what God says. God said, he never sinned against me with his mouth. He never sinned against me with his mouth. He never cursed me. When his wife said, curse God and die, he said, I'm not going to do it. He said, the good comes on, the rain comes on the, the righteous as well as the wicked. So I'm not quitting because I'm having a bad day. Y'all, he had a bad life. And no offense to anybody sitting in here today, but the truth is, we'd be sending out the police to look for you if this happened to you around church because you would quit God on that one. I can't lose this and lose that and lose this and lose that and believe there's a God. And that's what the world tells you. If there's a God, why is there this? Because he said in the world, you're going to see all of this. But he said, be of good cheer, I'm with you. Does this make y'all feel at least a little bit better? Probably not, but just letting you know. So Job lost everything, but here's what happened. He didn't curse God, he held on. And the Bible said at the end, he got back double everything that he lost. He got back double everything he lost. And then you've got another one that, that had some issues as well. There's Joseph. Joseph was chosen. Joseph had the coat of many colors. Joseph was promised by God to be a leader. And his brother sold, sold him into slavery. He got put into uh, a slave situation. He was accused of rape. He gets put in prison. He stays in prison, I don't know, 13 to 15 years, depending on who you're reading. He's in prison all this time. And yet, and yet, we would look and say, that's not fair. He had all of these promises. He had lies against him. He was sold into slavery. And look at him, it's not fair. But the Bible says he got out of prison and then he was able to not only save Egypt, but he also saved his family. So he, he had something because he wouldn't quit. He, I mean, it was not fair, but there he was. Daniel, it wasn't fair for Daniel. Daniel was a young guy born into a nice home. Matter of fact, there was nobility. And he was taken out of his nice home. He was taken to Babylon. And the word of God says he was made a eunuch. Just saying, bad day for Daniel. All the way around terrible. So he's made a eunuch. He is under the dynasty of three different rulers of Persian Babylon. And according to scripture, it wasn't fair what happened to him. But according to scripture, all three of these guys recognized the living God as God. All three of them said he was God. Two of them said, we've got to worship this God. It was because a guy who life was unfair to made up his mind that God is a good God. I don't know why this is going on. I don't know. It doesn't look fair to me, but I know God is in charge and I'm going to serve him regardless of how bad this is here. And that's why he was able to do what all he did. As a matter of fact, he was one of those that the Bible talks about 
that was thrown to the lions and closed the mouths of lions because he trusted God, even though he was having a bad day. Does that make sense to anybody so far? So you got these guys that were having bad days. The other thing is this. Life is not fair, but faith is not to please us, it's to please God. It's not to please us, but to please God. Now in Hebrews 11, as a matter of fact, verse number one says, now faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's a substance of things hoped for. It's a substance of things not seen. So it's a substance of things I'm hoping for. And it's a substance of things I don't see. I don't have it. I don't see it. But faith says that it exists. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. They obtained a good report. They obtained a good report because they didn't see anything, but yet they were believing for it. They saw something that was in the spirit realm. It never happened here. And that kind of faith pleased God. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that we see were not made by things that are invisible. So you can go to school and learn anything you want to about creation, but the Bible said God did it. That's what I have to believe for. In the Old Testament, these guys were believing, but what they were believing for, they were believing for Jesus to come. Isaiah said, said, there's one coming who will take on the sin of the world and give us a reprieve. Everybody from Adam on was looking for Jesus. All of the sacrifices that were given from Abraham and Moses and right on through the children of Israel were all given about Jesus. He was the end run and they never saw him except by faith. So the idea of faith is it is to please God. Listen to verse number six. It says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe he is and that he's a reward of those that diligently seek him. So if I'm coming to God, it's got to be by faith. And the only way I can please God is to have faith. And faith doesn't mean I'm getting stuffed. It means I'm believing in him, regardless of what I have or don't have here. So listen to this. He's talking about chapter 11 is to a whole group of persecuted people, uh, Hebrews 11. But then he talks about, uh, he talks about Noah. He talks about Abraham. He talks about Isaac. He talks about Jacob. He goes through the list of the patriarch, talks about Sarah. He just moves through. Matter of fact, he even talks about Rahab, who is a prostitute and mentions it in the Bible. He talks about all of these people and the faith they had in him and the victories. So listen to this. This is, this is in verses 32 to 35. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and all of the prophets. By faith, and listen to this, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. They received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of the... of. of fire, and they escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weaknesses was turned, their weakness was turned into strength, and they became strong in battle and put armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from death. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but that's a pretty impressive group of people, and those were the guys of faith. And I'm looking at that and saying, man, I can't do any of that stuff. They had triumph. They had awesome acts of victory. They had dynamic deliverance. They had empowerment. They had miracles. No authority was too great for them. No force too powerful. No army too large. Men and women believed in God that he could do anything. And their response to an attack was, what about our God? But this is the thing. Verse number six says this. By an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. They looked all over and they couldn't find him because God had taken him. We know on the basis of reliable testimony that before he was taken, he pleased God. Enoch didn't have to do anything. He pleased God by faith. It's impossible, the Bible says, to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe that he exists and he cares enough to respond to those that seek him. So we've got this whole list of guys, including Enoch, that had this tremendous faith. And I'm thinking, God, I don't, I, I, I don't do any of that. So listen to this. This is... This is this is verse 35. Listen closely here at the second part. And he says this, and others were tortured. Now we just got through saying what all these other guys did, all the victories, but listen, but others were tortured to death, refusing to accept relief, release offered on the condition of denying their faith so that they would be resurrected to a better life. And others experienced the trial of mockings and scourgings amid torture 
and even chains of imprisonment. This is what their faith got them. They were stoned to death. This is is by faith. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were lured with tempting offers to renounce their faith. I'm going to stop here and say this. Maybe you weren't thrown to the lines or no one ever threatened to saw you in half. But how many of y'all have ever been tempted? Like this week. Like last night. Well, Abby was. According to Sean. I can't tell what it is. But probably she'll be the first to the altar this morning. I figure. You've got to ask Sean. He is so full of it. It's just hilarious. But, but, but the, 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 point, the point we deal with is it says that they were tempted. They were tempted on their faith. I'm just going to stop here and say this. Maybe no one said they're going to saw you in two. Maybe no one said they're going to cut you up. No one, no one said they're going to throw you to the lines. But every one of us have been tempted. So I'm going to tell you right now, you're in this group. You're in this group. Now, this is the losers group. This is the losers group. They're the ones that got thrown to the lines. They're the ones that got cut up. They're the ones that got... Isaiah was sawn in half. Of course, it wasn't very smart of Isaiah. According to history, he hid in the stump of a tree. It didn't take a lot of figuring to go cut that tree down and he was in trouble. So Isaiah got sawn in half. I'm just saying this. There, there are a lot of issues that I don't... I can't say that I'm a part of that. But boy, on the temptations, I know I am. And how many of us, how many of us, when we're tempted, we start blaming ourselves? I'm tempted because of me. I'm tempted because of my past. I'm tempted because of my failure. I'm tempted because of my weakness. No, you're tempted because there's a devil loose. You're tempted because the devil hates you. And everybody in this room is going to be tempted according to Scripture. But with that temptation, God makes a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You're going to be tempted. So don't be going around. And, and it just kind of bothers me when people look at us in the ministry and think, well, y'all never get tempted. Are you kidding? That's why you also see all the failures in ministry because these jokers get tempted. We all do. What we got to do is not quit every time we get tempted. We got to make up our mind that, hey, I I hate this. I hate this thought that's in my mind right now. I hate this temptation that's in front of me. I hate this and what's in front of my eyes, whatever that temptation is. I hate my past. It keeps trying to suck me back into it. But you got to make up your mind at some point, I'm a born again believer and Jesus Christ is my Lord. And it doesn't matter how many times I failed or how many interceptions I threw, this game is in the hands of God and I'm not going to quit because of this. So he goes on to say this that uh, many of them were, uh, were, In prison, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were lured by temptations, they were put to death by the sword, they went about wrapped in the skins of sheep and goats, they were utterly destitute, they were oppressed and cruelly tested, people of whom, I love this, people of whom the world was not worthy. Stop right there. That's a parenthetical statement that you need to get a hold of. And let me tell you one more time. When you read chapter 11, you read all of the faith and you read all of these people that did all these great things. Then you read this other category of about three verses of losers. These guys didn't get all of that. They didn't get all of that. But I I, I love this, that they were people of whom the world was not worthy. They didn't get all the victories, y'all, but they made up their mind about God. And the world wasn't worthy of them. So some of you all that say, I haven't had a lot of victories, but I'm not quitting. I hadn't, got, I hadn't gotten a lot of financial help, but, but I'm not quitting. I hadn't gotten a lot of, of uh, health in my life. I'm, I'm stuck right now. I'm in a wheelchair right now. What? Let's not call attention to something we really have, right? But I'm in a wheelchair right now. So what do I do? Do I quit God because I'm in a wheelchair? Do I quit because I hadn't gotten my prayer answered? Do I quit because every day I say, Lord, I want you to heal me. And I believe that by your stripes I've been made whole. Or do I just say, I'm going to serve God regardless. I've just made up my mind about serving God. I've just made up my mind that if this baby gets healed, then I'm going to shout and run around the room. But if this baby doesn't get healed, God is still Lord. He's still the king. I will have an eternity with this child. Amen, y'all. I'm going to tell you right now, y'all need to get a little bit older because as young as you are, when you look at loss, you look at years. When you get a little bit older, there are no years left. So you look at eternity. All right, you're not impressed. That's good. No, no, I'm good. So, but, but yeah, let me finish. So, so I just wanted to call attention to the fact that sometimes we overlook the fact that people can be sick. Well, let's just not pray anymore. And I'm going to pray every day. I'll pray every day. I believe God by his stripes you've been made whole. 
Because that's where my faith is. God is not pleasing whether I get out of the chair or not. He's pleasing whether I have faith in him or not. See, y'all, don't, y'all not buying that. You've got this worldly look on your face that says, no. God is good. The devil is bad. If it's bad, it's the devil. If it's God, it's good. And so why is God doing all this bad stuff to me? God's not doing bad stuff to you. But God will be with you in the storm. He will be with you in the storm. He will be with you in the temptation, according to scripture that we've read already. So the, they're people of whom the world is not even worthy. So when I look at them and think they're losers, God says that the world's not even worthy of this crew. They wandered in deserts. They were in mountains and they were living in caves and holes in the ground. And all of these, though they gained divine approval through their faith, they gained divine approval, not through what they had or didn't have, but they did it by faith, not receiving. They did not receive the fulfillment of what was promised. In other words, they were tortured. They were mocked. They were scourged. They were in prison. They were stoned. They were sown in two. They were uh, tempted. They were destitute. They were afflicted. They were mistreated, but they served God and they pleased him. So I'm helping you right now. You having a bad day, love God. You having a bad day, keep serving God. You having a bad day, you face the storm and make up your mind. He's with me. I'm not quitting over this issue. The third point is do not quit. Say do not quit. What? So they didn't quit. The losers gained, according to Scripture, a good testimony. So our faith is not always going to bring tremendous triumph and victory. I'm going to say it right now. Your faith won't always give you a triumphant victory. It will give you the victory over the temptation and the trial because you're going to make it through it. But you may not see the big thing you've been looking for. That's not what's going to please God anyway. Our faith in God will sustain us through any kind of of urgency or pressing trial. And I want to read this one, Hebrews eleven thirty nine and 40. All of these people, this is New Living Translation, all of these people, all these losers, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Listen to this. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. They got a good report because of the faith, although they didn't receive everything. And right now, there are people that have come out of the word of faith and your background is in faith. And and it sounds like I'm trying to to say uh, having faith isn't going to get you anything. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I don't put my faith in the stuff whether I get it or not. I put my faith in God because he's not going to change. If I get it, that's wonderful. But if I don't, it doesn't change my faith in God. Does that make sense to you yet? So all of these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that we would not reach, they would not reach perfection before us. They were not completed apart from us because he had something better for us. Uh, The praise team can come up now if you guys want to. So this is for Lisa because Lisa has a Jewish background and this will make sense because the Old Testament, the Bible says this, it says they weren't complete without us. Now we've got two groups of people, these high, these high rolling, victorious people with all kinds of wins. And then we've got this other group of guys that didn't win a game. Both groups pleased God. Both groups please God because the faith was in him. Amen. So don't let a bad day take your faith or make you feel like God loves you less because he loves you. Here's the difference in, the, in what they had and where we are. Every one of these guys were looking forward to a promise that Jesus was coming. There's coming somebody that will be this lamb. There's coming somebody that will be the blood of this goat. There's coming somebody that will be the sacrifice. The book of Hebrews is all about he's better. He's a better sacrifice. And and they look forward to this sacrifice. Isaiah, one of the great ones, says that, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. I see it. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace is upon him. And by his stripes, we've been made whole. And he never had that, but he saw it. His faith was in that, though he never had that. Now, when you begin to deal with this, these guys were looking for Jesus to come. And they died. But when they died, 
This is, this is the Jewish part of it. There's a place called Hades when they died. Hades is the place of departed souls. In Scripture, there's two parts to it. I'll get you really confused here. So there were two parts to Hades or hell. One was called Sheol and one was called Gehenna. Sheol is where all of the believers went when they died. Their spirits went to Sheol. It was a place of paradise. The problem with it was, from there you can see Gehenna. And Gehenna was the place of the unrighteous dead. How many of y'all remember Jesus talking about a rich man and a guy called Lazarus? You remember that? Can I say this to you? When a name is mentioned in a parable, it's no longer a parable, but a reality. So when you say, well, that's a parable of the rich man and Lazarus. No, it's a story of rich man and Lazarus. How many of you remember the story that Lazarus died one day? And so did the rich man. You remember the story? You remember that Jesus says this. It's like in, in Luke 16. And Jesus says that they both died. And the rich man went to Gehenna. And Lazarus went to Sheol. To what was called Abraham's bosom, a place of paradise. And they could see each other across this gulf that was between them. They could see each other. Your Bible says that the rich man screamed across and said, Please let Lazarus go back to earth and let him witness to my family. I don't want him to come here. It's torment. The response was, once here... No one can go from one side to the other, nor can they go back. But you read your Bible, and it also says this. It says there came a day, in Ephesians, it says there came a day when Jesus died, and it said that he led captivity captive. And then he went on high with them. And it says this. It says, but before he went on high, he had gone down and taken captivity captive and brought them with him. When you die today, you don't go to Sheol. Sheol got emptied by Jesus because he went down and he preached himself to Isaiah. And he said, the transgressions were on me. I'm the one that was wounded for your transgressions. And I'm the one that was bruised for your iniquities. And I'm the one that the chastisement of your peace is all on me. So everybody that prophesied, everybody that offered a sacrifice ever was able to see Jesus. And the Bible said he took captivity, which they were captive, they couldn't leave. But he took captivity captive with him into the presence of God. So when you and I die, y'all, we go to be in His presence. The point was this. They were looking forward and they never was able to have it, but they saw it from afar. So it didn't matter what was going on around them. Their faith was in what they saw. We, on the other hand, are looking back and saying, we know it. Not only did they see it from afar, we've experienced death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's a part of who we are. So, folks, I'm just telling you right now, our faith is based in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We don't quit because we're having a bad day. We make up our mind that we'll go through the storm. <clears throat> Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says, since children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical. It's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by death. By, listen to this. By embracing death. Taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. So living, according to my friend, John's dad, sonny guy, living is more than being alive. It's pleasing God by maintaining faith and trust in him. We've got to make up our mind. We've got to make up our mind. 
that we're not going to quit, that life isn't fair. We've got to make up a mind that faith pleases God, not us. We've got to make up a mind that we don't quit. So I've got this fork. And Shay has been wanting to know what are we going to eat this whole time. So the point of the fork, how many's ever been to anyone's house and you're sitting for a meal and you've eaten your meal and they come to clear the table? Sarah Wilson would be the perfect picture of this. If you've ever eaten a dessert by Sarah Wilson, it's amazing. And they come to the table, they're clearing the dishes away and they'll say something like this. Hang on to your fork. Anybody ever heard that one? Hang on to your fork. So what's the idea? What's the idea? Why hang on to your fork? The best is coming. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. I've got to make up my mind that I'm going to serve God regardless. Whether I get something here or I don't get something here. It doesn't affect the fact that God loves me. It doesn't affect the fact that I'm pleasing Him with my faith. When I can believe Him and not see it here on the earth, doesn't mean it doesn't please Him. Well, you've just made faith very difficult. It always has been the same. We believe God for what He says in His Word. If I don't see it, it cannot change my faith. And that's what pleases God. Not the stuff. He's got stuff. You don't impress him with stuff. He's impressed when his children serve him regardless of stuff, in spite of stuff. Let's all stand if you would. Say life isn't fair. I want, you to, I want you to say it. I know this sounds like I'm forcing you, and maybe I am a little bit doing this, but I'm doing it for a reason. Because for me to think a thought, I can, I, I can remember. But when I think a thought and I say a thought, now I've got another input into my life and just helps me get a hold of it. So I'm asking you to say this, not because I'm trying to be spiritual with you. I just want you to get something. Say, life isn't fair. Yeah, I want you to buy that. I want you to take that one home with you because life's not fair. Life is not fair. We're not going to make it fair. There will always be what we consider an injustice when it comes to the earthly look. So I've got to make up my mind. In my earthly look, my physical look, life is not going to be fair. Someone's going to have more and have done less to get it. But I've got to make up my mind that I love God regardless. It's not about who has what. Amen. I've got to make up my mind that faith pleases God, not me. Say, faith pleases God, not me. Your faith is not about making you happy. Your faith is about pleasing God. Amen. Say, faith is not about me. It's about Him. Now, folk, if you want to please God, then you hold on to faith. You keep believing. You keep speaking the word of God. Here's the other one. Say, we do not quit. This is what the whole idea of going into the storm is about. That we can huddle up and we can just get all around, let the storm beat us up. Or we can make up our mind, we're not going to quit. We're going to get to moving. And we're not going to stop till we get through this storm. And the Lord said, there's no storm that's taken you, but that's common to man. But with that storm, he's made a way of escape. To help us. To bear up under the storm that we can come through it. I was going to have an altar call and let our prayer team come down. But right now, maybe, maybe we just need to close our eyes where we are this morning. Because I believe that everybody in this room has been in the situation of I've, I've been believing God. And I just can't believe the storm. I can't believe the lack. I can't believe the, the battle that I'm in. I can't believe the loss. It just doesn't seem fair. We've, we've all been inundated with that. And maybe over the last couple of years, more than, more than a long, long time, with your eyes closed, just so you're alone with God, in the last 100 years, there have been more people martyred than there has been since. I think it has been since the times of Christ. In the last 100 years, in the last 100 years, it's just an amazing number. 
There, there's a guy right now I just heard about that, that's been in an Iranian prison, I think since 2015, because he serves Jesus. He serves God. There are people that, that have prayer for him around the world. I, I just heard about this guy that he's been in prison that long. There, there are people that are struggling and suffering. Can I tell y'all right now, God's pleased with him. And we're saying, if God's so pleased, why doesn't he let him out? Because the Bible said there will be a crew that's going to go through these. And we all are going to have trouble situation in this world. We will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've won the game. So, Father, I'm asking you right now, as we close our eyes in your presence, that you begin to infuse us again with an understanding that we're pleasing you, not by what we're producing on the outside, but by our faith in you. Lord, we may not be seeing everything that we're asking for. We may not be seeing everything that we're believing you for. But Lord, we believe that you're doing what you said you would do. And we're not going to let go of the promises of God. With your eyes closed, I just want to say that I had rather, I'd rather die on a bed saying that Jesus is my Lord. By His stripes I've been made whole. There's no temptation taking me, but this common to man. But with this temptation, there's a way of escape. I'd rather hold on to the Word of God and die with that on my lips than to die disgusted at how unfair life has become. How upset I am with this world, this life, these problems, this storm. And that I'm quitting because I've had a bad day. So, Father, I'm asking for supernatural strength right now for your people. I'm asking you, Lord, right now to help them as they face storms. I ask you, Lord, right now to let them see that you're very well pleased. And your pleasure is not in what they have or don't have. Your pleasure is their faith in you. I pray, Lord, for those that are struggling right now. Some of these folks standing here right now are struggling. Not, not unlike those that have just gone through the issue of birthing and kids and kids in the hospital and issues in the families. Lord, I'm asking you right now for supernatural strength in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you right now that you infuse us with the thought that we please you by our faith, not by what we've done or haven't done, what we've accomplished or not accomplished, not by our victories or our failures, but by our faith in you. Lord, I ask for those right now that find themselves in a tribulation and a trial, that you speak to them today that no temptation, no trial has taken them, but that is common to man. And Lord, that you're telling them, hold on to your fork. Hold on to your fork. Hold on to your fork. Because the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.